Are you ready? Should we just hit record? Yeah, let's just hit record. Go. Tired. So tired. Overtired. You are listening to Overtired on ESN. I'm Christina Warren. I'm Brett Herpstra. What's up, Brett? Not much. How's your mental state? Um, it's okay. I'd say the same for me. I have nothing to read. I mean, it could, it could be better for sure, but it's not like awful. Happy MLK Day. Happy MLK Day. I actually have today off, which is I, why I'm able to record this in the middle of the afternoon. I have every day off. That's nice. I, I, I feel like when I say that, people think I'm like unemployed and looking for a job, but... You're not? I'm not. I got an email from Google again. Are you going to reply? I did. I I'll, I always check it out, but we'll see. It's for their their uh they're hiring for their developer relations team, which would be an evangelical position. You'd be perfect for that. <laughs> Not really. Regarding mental state, I got to tell you, I I think I told you last time that I was fluctuating my dosage of lamictal to see what would happen. Yes. I told my shrink that and she yelled at me for so long. Well, yeah, because I've heard you were not supposed to, to, to fuck with that one. Yeah, well, you know what? <laughs> I can handle it. But, I mean, and I apologize. I was like, I won't do that again. But for another 15 minutes, she wouldn't let it go. <laughs> she was yelling at me like I was a little kid. Whatever. Whatever. You're like, oh, you know, it's better than you do. Whatever, man. I, I don't. You know, obviously. But... No, obviously you don't. It's like, you could have had seizures. Don't ever do that. I'm like, okay, I okay. Well, I got it. No, I mean, like, I, um, when I was misdiagnosed with something, and I, I think that I was given Lamictal, like, once, my mom is still freaked out to this day, like, 18 years later. She's like, I can't believe they gave you that stuff. You could have had seizures. You could have gotten into this and that. People swallow their own tongues. I'm like, mom. It's honestly the most useful of all the drugs I've ever been prescribed. It's done the most for me. But anyway, anyway, so I, I, I don't know where you want to start. We, we, I have a lot of movies to talk about. Okay, well, Should we start, start with, with entertainment this time? Yeah, yeah, let's start with entertainment. So I watched the last two nights. I watched uh, The Martian and then Sicario. Okay. okay, I haven't seen Sicario, but I've seen The Martian. I, when I read The Martian, I spent the okay, whole time because I, I started reading it and I was just getting going when they announced there was going to be a movie. And the whole time I was reading it, I was like, how are they going to turn this into a movie? And they did it. They summarized all of his detailed explanations of his uh, kind of inventions into just the words, I'm going to science the shit out of it. It's very good. Very good. Did you read yeah. the book? No, I didn't read the book. That's the thing. I just saw the movie and I was, the movie's awesome. I was like, this is great. And I was actually kind of afraid to read the book because I was like, uh, how do they do? You know, is it going to ruin my opinion of the movie? So now I'm going to go back and read the book. Yeah, it won't. You'll be impressed at how well they kind of made a year's worth of journal entries work into a two hour movie. Yeah, what, no, what was up with it? it? It was so funny. The Golden Globes are so funny anyway because they split things into comedy and, and uh, drama. But the fact that the Martian won Best Picture of the Year comedy. Really? Yeah, because that was the category it was nominated for. I guess because it wasn't dramatic enough. Or more to the point, what probably happened is that the producers realized we don't really have a shot yeah, right. uh, of, of winning Best Dramatic Feature. But 
Well, it was funny. Shot this category. It, it did have its humorous moments. But what was interesting about it is it's a story with zero bad guys, a story with basically one plot hook right at the beginning in the first five minutes, and then the rest of it is a, is like a, a trajectory toward a pretty predictable ending, which seems like a pretty lame movie. I mean, I felt the same about that uh, movie about the food truck. Was it called yeah. Food Truck? I think so. <laughs> that one didn't do it, though. Like, for me, that movie got really boring because it was just kind of a slice-of-life journey. But this one actually was entertaining enough all the way to that end point that I loved it. Yeah. Sicario, though, you should check out. Great cast. Uh, it, it's, it also would be a pretty boring story if it weren't for the, the female lead. I forget her name, but um, she is, because she's kind of uh, hesitant to be part of the whole thing, she's the twist in the story. And it actually, it, it makes it a very good movie. I enjoyed it a lot. And dude, uh, uh, Benicio Del Toro, he is seriously the like brown Brad Pitt. He looks like Brad Pitt so often in that movie. That's really funny. Weren't they in a movie together? Were they? Let me the see. The Mexican or something? Oh, yeah. I like that movie. I liked that movie too. They they are very much they're both very good looking people. I think uh uh Benicio aged more quickly than Brad Pitt. But, oh totally. But now that Brad Pitt is hitting, you know, the uh lines in the face stage of his life, they, they are strikingly similar. Although at the Globes again, he like Brad had some Botox or something and like he looked younger than he's ever looked. It was Why like, would he do that? He I don't looking, know. He was looking better and better as he aged. I mean he still looks great. He looks amazing, but like it, it he's totally got Benjamin Button's disease. See, once I once it's obvious that someone has had work done. I don't know if he, it's obvious he's had work. I'm assuming he's had work. I, well, I, I mean I, if someone looks younger than they did five years ago, they've had work done. And then I get suspicious it's like fake breasts i hate fake breasts i'd rather someone be flat chested than have fake boobs drives me <laughs> nuts that's why i don't live in la uh, one of the many reasons you don't live in la yeah i i wouldn't mind the weather being above negative 10 but actually looking at close-up photos from the globes i don't think he's had work done because good. It was just, i think it was just his haircut or a good makeup job yeah i can live with that yeah, I think it was just some good makeup. Good deal. I I hated him uh, back in the Legends of the Fall day because, because he's so goddamn handsome. Well, because all the girls were so crazy about him, That's and I was so he like was punk so rock, goddamn, and, and he was so goddamn handsome. And then you like realize you're like, fuck, he's a really good actor. Yeah, yeah. Well, then Twelve <laughs> Monkeys sold right. me entirely. Yeah, Twelve Monkeys and and then Fight Club and yeah. all those movies just made him actually very cool to me no he's a great actor he's one of my favorites did um, we ever talk about la jete i don't the, think the so. movie that 12 monkeys was based on no it's a it's a french film la jete is the airport and it's a french film based entirely off of still photos black and white still photos that like fade from one to the other and there's just i think one point in the movie where it's actually live action but it tells this story on top of photos, which sounds boring, but it's actually very, you know, it's a good sci-fi story. And I liked it. 
And I was wrong. Uh, Benicio Del Toro was not in The Mexican, but I believe he has been in a movie with Brad Pitt. Let, let me Google Brad Pitt and Benicio Del Toro. And instead, what happens when you do that is you end up getting everybody saying exactly what you said, which is that they look alike. <laughs> the first article is separated at birth. Brad Pitt and Benicio Del Toro. <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. Let's see. Snatch? Were they in? Why? Yeah, they were in yeah, Snatch. They were in Snatch. That's, you know what it is? Is that Snatch came out like the same year as the Mexican. Uh, Snatch was, oh, man. What a good movie. All those Guy Ritchie movies. Guy Ritchie's the best. I mean, except for his weird thing where he married Madonna for a few years. That hey, was kind of that's suspect. not weird. That to me, that adds to his kind of awesomeness. Uh, yeah, mine too. Mine too is just I love Madonna so much, but at the same time, I sometimes can't even with Madonna. Like I love well, her. Well, not these like, days. Oh my god, that last oh video. God. Oh, I know. Whatever, something bitch. Yeah, that was uh, horrible. Bitch is Madonna. Yeah, that was it's, awful. But well, you go it, back to Vogue, and I'm all in. Oh, God, go back to, like, the 80s. But even go back to, like, um, Frozen and go back to um, Ray of Light. Oh, yeah. Ray of Light was actually really cool. It was a nice uh, evolution of her music. I, I mean, if she was, was still fantastic. doing Like a Virgin, it would just be awful. But No, Ray of Light was, a, was an amazing album and um, one of her best, I think, frankly, period. And, and um, what was music, which was after Ray of Light, was, was not a bad album either. And I saw her on tour when she did the Drowned World tour, which basically was, was Ray of Light and, and, and music and then um, a few of her older songs. And that was the first time she toured in like seven or eight years. And that was a really good tour. And then I saw her American Life tour. Um, and then I saw whatever the tour was after that. And she's a really <laughs> good live performer. a lot performer. of Madonna shows. I have, and they're expensive. And she's I just really spent a lot of time in gay bars. <laughs> I have too. Drag renditions. Uh, and, and and like she's a great performer, but it is one of those things where it's like, mm, you know, as she has been so against the whole aging thing and I get it, right? Like I totally do because like her whole thing has been youth and recreation, but now I'm almost like, okay, now this is just kind of getting sad. Right, and now I you're just a vampire. And, and I don't want Madonna to ever be sad because I like, <laughs> because Madonna's the best. Well, that's why rock stars die young. Right. Speaking oh of my, dying rock stars. Yes. We've got to talk about both. First, first it was Lemmy. And yeah. That probably didn't affect nearly as many people as Bowie. But seeing Lemmy die at 70 was uh, very sad to me. But then Bowie also Bowie. at 70. 69. He just turned right. 69. I think, yeah, I think that's what Lemmy actually was. I round everything. Like, I'm technically 40 right now, but um, I have been for four years. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, the, the Lemmy death and the uh, Bowie death, and then there was one other who, oh, oh, uh, Snape. Yeah, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman, all around the same age. And it made me realize that famous people have a different life expectancy. Yeah. Well, no, Alan Rickman and Bowie were both 69. Lemmy was 70. And yeah, all of cancer. And yeah, you're right. I mean, that it, A, it proves the whole goes in threes thing. Although people have still been kind of waiting. People forget for already forgot about Lemmy. They were like, we had Alan and we had Bowie. I guess because uh, Lemmy was like two weeks before. Well, that but, and no one outside of like the rock and roll inner circle really knows Motorhead very well. I mean, Grant was really upset. Yeah, I was really upset about Bowie. And what's actually funny about Bowie, uh, 
I found out, I guess, weirdly in like a messed up way, like both of my parents are Bowie fans, which I never knew about them. Really? Like, and like found out on Facebook when I posted something and they were like, they, my mom like talked about how she really would have loved to see, you know, uh, Lazarus on Broadway. Now Lazarus tickets are like more insane than Hamilton tickets. And I'm sure. like, yeah, good luck. Um, and I'm like, I had no idea you're a Bowie fan, mom, because like, Pretty was pretty sure your your what music you listened to in the seventies was not Bowie. Pretty sure music you listened to the eighties was not Bowie. I know you didn't listen to like nineties avant garde Bowie. So what's what's going on? Like it was uh, it's interesting. I'd be Both willing parents, to bet neither of my parents have any idea who Bowie is. Oh, of course they do. No, I really honestly, you'd be amazed if it's not Peter Paul and Mary or Elvis. They really have no idea. It's it's amazing what they don't know, and in the music world, I mean, they're very, they're very smart. My dad is a brilliant man. They don't even know Labyrinth. No, I doubt it. They don't. They don't watch movies that aren't like Hallmark true story based. But this is. But that's a Jim Henson movie. Yeah. Yeah. I had a lot of research to do when I left home. Let's just say that. <laughs> but yeah, uh my favorite Bowie was always duets. Like I I, yeah. I love like um uh Gene Genie. Yeah. And uh Young American stuff like that are on Under my pressure. playlist. I always have been, but stuff like Under Pressure and the one he did with Trent Reznor, I'm Afraid of Americans. Yeah. That is still one of my favorite songs, not just favorite Bowie songs, one of my favorite songs. And some of Reznor's best work since uh, Pretty Hate Machine, too, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Um, no, uh, I'm Afraid Americans was a great, um, was a great track. And that was that was written by, uh, that was co-written by Brian Eno, wasn't it? That sounds correct. I'm looking this up. Yes. Oh, and actually, oh, fun fact from this. This I did not realize this. It was like uh, it was originally uh, written during Bowie's studio sessions for the 1995 album Outside, but was not released until a rough mix appeared on the soundtrack to the film Showgirls. Huh. That is interesting. And then it was subsequently remade for Earthling, which is how um, I heard it. But um, that's really, really interesting that it was on the Showgirls soundtrack in an edited form. Yeah. Hmm. So I got the um, FX now, and I got CBS, and I got Fox now, and I got I got I bought like all the channels. Like I'm on free trials, and I'll probably drop some of them. So so you can buy FX now on its own. I, oh, maybe no, no, that, no that's illegal. Say, you're, I was <laughs> say, no, you're using somebody's cable for that. I'm yes, I am. Um, but CBS, I I am. I knew that some of my favorite shows were from CBS, which was, you know, the frustrating thing about not being on Hulu and everything. But now that I have, there are so many good shows. I did not know CBS was such a good network for like uh, sitcoms and things. Yeah. Well, okay. So which ones are you watching? I don't even remember. Like all the channels are jumbled in my head. I just remember being really impressed. Uh, Life in Pieces, I think is on CBS. Okay. Which is, I think we talked about last time, but an amazing funny show and uh elementary and yep. uh I'm, I'm enjoying limitless it's kind of the show i watch when there's not much else on but um uh, 
I think they have two broke girls, which is a sad yes. thing. I I love two broke girls. We've I talked can't about this handle before. it. It's 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 hilarious because it's like so it's such a bad show yet I love it. It it's so bad I can't love it. I, like, and I want to but I can't. Well, I like the actresses both of That's them so the problem. Much. It makes me like the actresses less even though I do like them both individually. I think that they're both great and then it's hilarious because I mean the double entendres, triple entendres. What I love about it those cat dinnings who we've talked about before how much how great she is, but like there will be so many scenes where she's just like smirking, like during the one-liners. Like they don't even bother to like try to cut, like to like get another take where she's not laughing. She's just like, "Yeah, I'm gonna deliver this line that I know is cheesy as fuck." I think that <laughs> the uh, the moments where actors crack up, and that's why I like the live stuff, like Undateable. Yeah. The moments where they can't hold it together. Uh, same with uh, SNL. Th- those are the best moments. I agree. Well, that's that's a show full of that. Have you ever seen Sound Advice? It only had three uh, no, episodes, and it was um. Here, let me do an IMDb search. It was uh, it's an SNL cast member, and I forget her name. She plays the the Jewish boy on mm-hmm. a Weekend Update, and uh, let's see, what is her name? Not that one. Apparently, there are a few sound advice TV shows. Janessa Slater. And she plays a media coach. And she brings bands in. And the one they do with the band Fun is awesome. Because there's just this tiny short clip where the lead singer can't quite keep it together. And he starts to crack a smile. But she does these, like, she's a media coach for these bands. And she makes the most ridiculous suggestions you've ever heard. Uh, And the worst puns and jokes. And it's so uncomfortable that it's hilarious. That one I like a lot. I wish they'd made more. Oh, wait. Janessa Slater is the name of the... Her her stage name. It's uh, Vanessa Bear. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not smart. Have you seen Angie Tribeca yet? It's on a uh, TBS. Um, it, it debuts, um, I think soon, but like it's all of it is on like video on demand right now. And so I've seen a lot of it, but uh, like the first season is available on demand right now. It's uh, the show from Steve Carell and his wife and it stars uh, Rashida Jones. And it's like a, a spoof of like a cop show. I think I saw a tr- like a, a commercial for that show. What's it called? Angie Tribeca. Angie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll look that up. It's pretty uh, funny. Did you see the new one, uh, box, big box store or whatever it is? I've seen the the, the trailers again for that. I haven't actually watched it. I actually also, really enjoyed it. Um, I thought though that the best thing was uh, it, it's it's on NBC. Um, I thought the best part of the Golden Globes was when um, um, uh, Ava Longoria and um, America Ferrera came out. And they were like, I'm Ava Longora, not Ava Mendez. And I'm America Ferrera, not Gina Lopez. <laughs> and, um, you know, and neither of us is, you know, so-and-so. It's like, thank you, you know, Salma. You're welcome, Charo. Like, it was very <laughs> funny because apparently, like, America Ferrero and, and Gina, what's her face? I think it's Gina Lopez, um, Gina the Virgin. Yeah. They've been confused. And another- Ugly Betty, wasn't it? Yeah, America Ferrero is is ugly, buddy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And and uh, 
it's uh they they've been confused like it's the point that they were confused Gina Rodriguez not Gina Lopez that's yeah, my bad yeah, okay. um they like the Golden Globe Twitter person confused them <laughs> when when Gina uh, Rodriguez like both got, of them at the same time no like one of them was reading the nominees she was reading the nominees and she got nominated and they used America Ferrera's handle Twitter uh. handle <laughs> like yeah. Like yeah. really bad. Um, although you know, if, if if I'm Ava Longoria, like I'm not gonna be mad if if, if somebody wants to call me like Ava Mendez. Although no, actually, I might be mad. I'd be like, bitch, please. <laughs> I was on I was on Desperate Housewives, um, and and she was on. I don't really know what she's she been on. She was in the other guys. She was in the other guys, Which and was she was awesome. on. Like yes. her role in that was amazing. But anyway, yeah, and, and she's got a baby with Ryan. Um, um, Gosling, yeah. Either way, they're both unfathomably gorgeous. They are. They are. Ava Mendez especially. She was also in a Training Day. Yeah. They make me melt when I see them. Like, I just, I can't think. I get like that, though. <laughs> attractive people melt me. Attractive people melt me, too. I like them. I like attractive people. I, I mean, I, I'm good with unattractive people, too, but attractive people, definitely. By the way, I, I saw screenshots of some of your TV appearances. Yes. You look very good on television. Thank you. Nicely done. Props Thank to you. your hair and makeup, too. <laughs> right? They do an awesome job. Not that you're not pretty to begin with, but yeah. No, but it's amazing what happens when I have, like, professional hair and makeup. <laughs> <laughs> nice. I don't get hair and makeup. I don't even shave most days. Oh, you don't need hair. Yeah. Yeah, the Jason Statham look. You do have the Jason Statham look, who... Again, um, it's it's really funny. Um, Spy did uh, was nominated for best comedy. It obviously lost to The Martian, but they had a really bad trailer for it during the Globes. And people who like I was watching with on Twitter were like, "Well, the movie can't be that good. It looked pretty terrible in that trailer." I'm like, "Shut up! Spy is a freaking amazing movie." It was very very funny. Very funny. And everyone played against character, which is really fun. Yeah. Yeah. Did you see the lip sync competition between um... Channing and his yes. wife? Yes. Yeah. Oh my God, that was the greatest thing ever when Beyonce came out. <laughs> yes. I mean, look, I gotta say, I think the the, the, the Jenna was better. Like she actually was yes. the better lip syncer. She was far and away like she like her 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 version of her her Paula Abdul. Yes. With Paula Abdul was like, I mean, was dead on, and it was actually like she she got every move correct. I was like, holy crap yes girl you can dance and the same thing her her, her version of genuine's pony was like so perfect but yes. like how are you gonna beat beyonce well how are you gonna beat channing tatum in drag yeah I mean, that's why they because that's picture. just automatically hilarious and they did such a good job with his hair they did they did <laughs> was so good but i mean but if you actually looked at his lip syncing and his dancing like you know I, he was just i immediately more... noticed that yep it was phoned in yeah but I mean, part of it had to be, he's probably, I mean, if it were me, I'd be scared out of my mind that like the queen of the universe is going to walk out for five seconds. Right. Now, what I want to know is how they convinced her to do that. Does she and Jay-Z just like watch um, lip sync battles sometimes? Because she literally, I mean, she was, I mean, literally it was very clear. She walked out, she did her part. She walked back off stage. Yeah. I, I don't... got right back into her limo and went home. But like to even get her there at all. Yeah, that is impressive. I was like, "That's this is, this is amazing." Um, it cost some money. Appearance. Oh, I'm sure it did. Oh, 
Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, come on. Beyonce is great, but I don't think she's going to be doing lip sync battles for free. Come on now. I mean, Paula Abdul did, I'm sure. But Paula Abdul just wanted us to all remember that she's alive and not totally drugged out. Um, I feel have, bad for Paula Have Abdul. you seen um, Chuck something's survive- Guide to Surviving Life? No, I haven't. There's an episode where Paula Abdul guest stars. And she's, she's great. Except it turns out that she's a hallucination and she's actually <laughs> a homeless guy <laughs> because they were they volunteered to do drug testing to get money for their startup. Oh, that's really funny. And they gave them drugs with side effects of hallucinogens and they saw Paula Abdul and got her to endorse their hot sauce and then when they went back to watch the video, it's a homeless guy. No, homeless amazing. guy pretending to do the dance from straight up now tell me oh or straight amazing. up i guess <laughs> she was my very first concert really mm-hmm. i was oh. eight yeah you went oh man i didn't go to a concert till my teens and it was uh soundgarden oh yeah i didn't i didn't love soundgarden but i met them on the bridge in saint paul we said hi they were annoyed. They were doing a photo shoot on the Minneapolis. What, I don't even remember which bridge it was. but Chris anyway. Cornell was annoyed? Yes. I mean, they were just like, you know, more fans, blah, blah, blah. So we left. But obviously, I was a high schooler with, like, skater hair and who would, like, stop their photo shoot to hang out. I wouldn't. Dude, my... Okay, so the last guest I interviewed... Oh, Chris Cornell follows me on Twitter. Are you serious? I'm dead serious. I thought I was like, I think he follows me on Twitter. I wonder if he still does. I just checked. He does. He still does. Wow. He that's... follows like he follows under 500 people and I'm one of them for some reason. That's very intriguing. Yeah. That's the only time I'm honored is if someone's ratio of follow to following followers yeah. to following is so great that they you can tell they actually handpicked who they follow. Yeah, no, his is, his is, he follows 488 people and he has 1.84 million followers. Yeah, that is a hell of a ratio. And, and Ashton Kutcher follows me too. And he follows 700 people and has 17.3 million followers. <laughs> if you ever get divorced, I bet you could uh, uh, <laughs> hang out with movie stars. Maybe. But don't get divorced. I, I don't want to get divorced though. I love Grant. <laughs> <laughs> My wife just got home from a 10-day trip. Wow. And 10 days is a long time to live by yourself say, with five mammals. I was going to say, like, she's normally only gone for like five days, right? Usually seven. It's usually seven. one week. And five days is where I start to go crazy. But seven days is manageable. Seven days is the break, though. If I if it goes on longer than seven days, I just start. I talk to myself and and start seeing things and it gets ugly. I quit drinking while she was gone. Like, uh, like really quit drinking. She came home and I hadn't had a drink for two days. And now it's been five days. Because I realized like her long trips were giving me excuses to just drink like all evening. And I started doing it every day and didn't even realize it. So I was like, I should probably stop before this becomes an issue. So I'm totally sober. I'm podcasting sober. Wow. I was going to say, though, my... uh my, I, I interviewed a guest for a systematic that hasn't been released yet, but he was the drummer in my high school band and we hadn't talked for 23 years. That's awesome. And he sent me recordings that I didn't have of, of that band. And uh, 
it was actually, it was a very good band. My lyrics were horrible. I was lead singer and my lyrics were, uh, I, I cringe to hear them now, but it was a really good band with it. Like strong. If you mixed like circle jerks with the toadies, the Toadies. Oh, the Toadies. No one remembers the Toadies. I'm I love the Toadies. They were I great. I loved the Toadies. They were so great. Their guitar sounds were heavy as hell for a for a post-grunge band. Oh, I loved the Toadies, man. Mudhoney and the Toadies, I think, were probably the biggest influences on that band. On my high school band, I mean. I think I saw them, actually, because they opened for Bush or something. <laughs> you went to see Bush. I did Gavin, man, before he fucked over Gwen a second or third time. <laughs> he was so great. I loved him. Because still... he was pretty or because he was good? I mean, both, actually. You think so? Glycerine's a freaking good song. Glycerine is a catchy song. It's yes, not it necessarily a good song. I'm well, Okay, fine, but it's a catchy song, and I was 13. Even Nickelback has done catchy songs. Kind of, this maybe. This is how you remind me of what <laughs> <Stop>. I figured. <laughs> it's going to be in your head for the rest of the day now. It is. Now I have to go listen to like Godsmack to get another horrible, catchy song in my head. Oh, my God. So I came home early-ish, or not early-ish, but earlier um, in the in the evening one, one night. And like, But for me, that's like before 8 o'clock. And I was... Um, like walking past one of my neighbors' houses, like the people who live like completely below, like directly below me, and like they had some like serious music like rocking out. I'm like, okay, you were like really, really cranking the volume, go for it. Except they were playing Papa Roach. <laughs> <laughs> I almost knocked on the door to be like, what is going on? Was that the band that did the Michael Jackson cover? Uh, no, that was Alien Ant Farm. Oh. I can remember a video from Papa Roach. I can't remember a single song. I know. Um, it was Last Resort. Oh, yeah. my life into pieces. This is my last There dream. was a good mashup with that song. <laughs> it was like Madonna and Papa Roach. Yeah, they were like going all out. And then like, I, I was like listening for a second. I was like, is this, this is. And then I was like going back upstairs. And then they started in with like, Blink one eighty two or Good Charlotte or something. And I was like, wow. I was like, I was like, this is. Are they having a two thousands party? And it was like a Wednesday after. It was like a Wednesday evening. It's so probably it was, a Spotify playlist, best of the bad era of that, the early two thousands. And, and, and but it was like I was just like I was just cracking up because I was like, wow, like this is Papa Roach blaring blaring like so loud that I could literally hear everywhere like the door is shaking. I'm like, this is a lot. That is, that is, you have to have some balls to assume that anyone else is going to like music like that. Yeah. No, I mean, especially and not like, like uh, Molotov cocktail, your apartment. Well, no, because I'm like, you know, this would be like one thing, like if you're, um, you know, like if, 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 if it is the year 2001 and you're in a dorm at Georgia State <laughs> University, in which case I've done this myself, right? Sure. Like, With Ferrari poster on the wall and. No, well, no, it's the Radiohead poster on the wall and the Escher prints. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 uh, and, and and then the beer um um guide or, or the shot guide this is like this total freshman year where you have like the guide of like what what sorts of shots to drink and you have the escher prints and a warhol prints because i had that too and i then had, had a poster. quincy punks poster which no one remembers but they were good and an mdc poster that was our decoration and a six foot boa constrictor 
that was alive. I had a bunk bed. I, I had um in my bedroom I had Fight Club, Silence of the Lambs, Ferris Bueller's Day Off, and Scream posters. Hmm. And in on my bedroom door, I had a Radiohead poster um for OK Computer. Um, and, um, then in the living room, we had the Escher prints, the hand drawing, the hand and a, um, um, you know, in the future, everyone will be famous for 15 minutes, Andy Warhol thing. So you said dorm and now you're talking about multiple rooms. Yeah. So our dorms were actually the old Olympic village. So when the Olympics came to Atlanta, they had, you know, the Olympic village and then they turned those into dorms. So it was. Hmm. Dorm style apartments. So we each had a single, you shared a bathroom with one other person, and then you had like a shared living room and kitchen that you shared with four people. You don't know what it's like to live in a dorm. No, I don't. Thank God. <laughs> I had 20 square feet, a bunk bed, and one desk to share. No, my sister, that was what my <laughs> sister had, where she used to have to hear her roommate having sex. Like, like oh, yeah, we, room. yeah, we, we I, no, they had their two, they, they both had their, 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 their beds, um, vaulted or whatever. And, um, like they could lean across their beds and and hold hands. Yeah, yeah, that that was I mean ours were bunk beds but they were on like spring coils so if your roommate if you were in the room at the same time as your roommate's girlfriend was over you were going to have to listen to Yeah. the squeaks yeah, no, like 4 no, feet away from you. Yeah, no, they had like their both of their beds were lofted or whatever so they had space underneath but yeah, but poor Kelly would have to like listen to her roommate having sex like that's all right, though. My roommate had a super hot girlfriend. I mean, I'm not <laughs> saying I watched anything, but... But you watched. It wasn't a revolting idea in my head when I had to listen to it. But for See, the most I, part, we had the sock on the door thing. and Yeah, I mean... I, okay, so that's always a weird thing for me. Like, I've only had to be in the room, like, maybe once or twice, like, during spring break, like, with other people. <laughs> people have been, like, banging. But, like, I can't imagine, like, living with someone, like, regularly and, like, having that, like, be right there. Like, I can't do it when someone else is in the room. That is why off-campus housing exists, so you only have to do that for max two years. Yeah. Yeah, this is true. So, <laughs> so I had my own single, but still, I only did the dorms for a year and then had my own apartment. Yeah. When I got to MCAD, that was at the U of M, that that living situation. But when I got to MCAD, we got nicer separate bedrooms and things. And well, I guess one separate bedroom, one of us slept kind of in the living room, but it worked out. And we got our we had a third roommate, but we got him kicked out, uh, <laughs> which I still feel bad about. But he would listen to way too much Jewel. So we made up <laughs> other reasons. And oh my god, you kicked him out because he listened to Jewel? Technically, that's what it comes down to is just too much Jewel. And he would he would break into tears if you criticize Jewel too much. <laughs> but that album was a great it was amazing. I'm assuming it was her debut album. I don't or care what it was. It was Jewel. And she was awful. <laughs> Hands uh, we apparently disagree on this. We do disagree on this. I think that that, that uh My roommate um, and I were into the Pogues and Punk Rock. No, totally. And you were totally not wanting to listen to Who Will Save Your Soul and Foolish Games exactly. over and over again. Foolish Games is a great song. My roommate was a he was a wrestler and he got in a fight with a boxer. And it was let's just say it ended up with him in the grass in the dark looking up at me saying, Did I win? But I would say, in general, boxing will beat wrestling in most fights. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. 
I mean, I would just think that like you're, I mean, well, I mean, I guess it depends on, on your, on, on, on what type, like who, who you are and like what your weight class is. But I would think so. Yeah. I mean, cause both of you are going to have like amazing upper body strength. Yeah. But if you're getting into what is technically a street fight and yes. not throwing punches, you, 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 you're, you're screwed from the jump. Yeah. Like, you know, when you're in a wrestling ring, no one's going to punch you in the face and you get a no, chance to actually well, like do analyzed maneuvers. Well, that's the whole point <laughs> is it will mean, well, they're both very tactical. They're both very tactical, but yes. I would think that wrestling even more so because you've got a, you've got like certain grappling things and you can only have somebody pinned down for a certain period of time. And like, you know, I don't know that wrestling, like the, the wrestling they teach you in high school and, and college, I don't know that it has any counter for a punch to the face. Um, a kick to the face. Any, I don't think that it has. Well, you know, when you're upright, and someone throws a punch, your defense should be to duck and grab the waist, and then, you know, use body weight and whatnot. But it seems like a poor defense against someone who is skilled with their fists. And I, yeah. I've seen it in action. I believe it is a poor defense against fist fights. But anyway. We went home. We listened to Sally MacLennan repeatedly. Dillinger Force cover of Sally MacLennan on vinyl was perfect for that. I'm still like hung up on the fact that like your roommate was like a jewel freak. So, <laughs> what, what what year did you go into college? Actually, you're you're uh. With, this would have been two thousand. No, no, ninety eight. Okay, so it was Spirit. So it was it was the album with Hands on it. Okay, so you probably heard Hands like a billion times. I couldn't tell you. All I remember is a goatee and a whiny girl singing. <laughs> and, a, and, a bro and a dead gray tooth that she eventually got fixed. I, I wouldn't know that, I guess. She had like, she had like a dead tooth. And uh, because, you know, she was like homeless. Like that was her whole bag. Like she like lived in her car and like performed on her guitar, like at coffee shops. And then she was discovered and like came out of nowhere. And then Pieces of You was like this humongous success because Who Will Save Your Soul was this great song about that like was filmed in a bathroom and it was great. And um, yeah. Given, uh, the, given the lead singer of the Pogue, Shane McGowan and his teeth, I don't think that would have been my problem with Jewel. <laughs> This is probably true. I think your problem was well, she's she's like a classic like folk rocker though. Like she was like a classic folk rock. Well, like, and maybe if I went back now with my more open mind that I've developed in my adult years, maybe I would appreciate it more. I mean, and I think if you even understood her story then, you might have been like, "Girl was freaking homeless and was like performing at bars." And I, like, well, and this is the stuff car. he would tell us through tears. <laughs> And and if I go back and think about it, it was really the fact that he would cry over Jewel that made me want to not live with him. Um, not so much Jewel it herself, I guess, but his tearful defenses of Jewel. And when you kick a guy out who's prone to crying over over pop music. Yeah. Um, you you do feel bad because he you know it's going to affect him for a long time. <laughs> and he's probably still fucked up about it. I would I if he happens to listen to this, he's gonna be like it's gonna bring all those feelings back and it's gonna be like when I when I made that date watch happiness and it brought up all of it. <laughs> have we talked about that? We have talked okay. about that. Yeah, yeah. Happiness as a date. Yep. Bad idea. Date. Yeah, he wound up in rehab. <laughs> 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 so did that, I. Yeah, but it's like that time 
but but like watching it didn't remind you that you were sexually abused as a child like i'm just saying like of all the date if all the, oh my god i still can't yes. believe that happened that was a real story that was a real thing that actually happened in my real life <laughs> Isn't that what this podcast is? Just it horrible is. stories it is. from our real horrible life. Horrible stories from our real life. I'm just saying that that's one of those things. Like if I wrote that in a in a, in a screenplay, I would be accused of it. like that. That didn't happen. Yeah. Like actually, it did. Yeah, that it's a stretch to think that you know that kind of faux pas would be executed. But I've been there. I've done it. <sighs> Let's talk about tech. Yes. Do we talk about? I I left Homebridge on the list because I couldn't remember if we talked about. We didn't talk about it. Okay, so skip that. No, we didn't talk. Oh, about we it. didn't. We didn't. No. So there's this app you can, or like a Python script you can get on uh, GitHub called Homebridge, and it lets you interface any home automation software with HomeKit. Yeah, so I'm looking at get, it now. You can get any HomeKit enabled ios app and then control old like even x10 devices through something like uh, indigo and so now i can i can say good morning siri i can say hey siri good morning on my watch oh shit i just did it um and uh and she'll turn on lights in my office and i could say hey it's bedtime and uh she'll turn off all the lights in the house and turn on the the we have a birch tree that comes out of the corner of our bedroom it's not real. It's well, it is real, but it's not growing. Um, and it's covered in Christmas lights and that's like night lighting. And, uh, and she'll turn that on at 50%, uh, intensity. Uh, yeah. And, um, and so I can basically control all of my devices now from my watch, which is from the day I got the watch. That's what I wanted to do. I wanted to be standing out on the deck and tell Siri to turn off all the house lights that came out of windows in the back porch so that I could see the stars better. And it always took too many taps. And now it's voice controlled. And I am living in the future. This is awesome. This is awesome. And it looks like there are a few apps that will let you manage your home devices. And he says that the most comprehensive one that he's used is My Touch Home, yep. which is $2. That's what I'm using. And uh, I wrote this up on my blog. I'll put a link to it. But yeah, yeah. My Touch Home, does it, it's awesome. And you can title... You can title series of actions with whatever you want, and that becomes what you'll say to Siri. Yeah, that's awesome. So you awesome. can literally write your own script for it. That's really cool. That's really, really cool. Um, and this this My Touch Home app looks great. I'm not understanding. Oh, and it's got like a watch app too. Yeah. Which is really nice. That's really cool. Um, I'm not understanding why people are like, not usable with many Hue lights. Okay, well, fuck you. Maybe it's not supposed to be. Um, I, I, I get mad when I see like low reviews for an app like this. It looks like it's awesome. An app um, that doesn't claim to do something yet. People assume it will do something. And then when it doesn't, they give it a low review. Yeah. That's annoying. But I don't have any Philips Hues because they're so proprietary and they are. I mean, they, they did go back on their word. They claimed that they were going to shut off their own API for third party uses and like third party apps. And the community freaked out, like freaked out. There was this huge hacker news thread. And then like to their credit in like 24 hours, Phillips was like, yeah, so our bad. I do have a friend who hacked every Bluetooth light into um, an iOS app. So you can control any of the Bluetooth lights from it. Mm -hmm. And I am unfortunately forgetting the name at the moment, 
which is horrible. Um, I have like the Hue widget. Like I have a couple of different like Hue like apps. Like there's one for OS 10 that um, will let you like control your Hue bulbs from that. Like it has like a little, like from like a menu bar app and that works pretty well. But um, yeah, I'm not sure the one you're talking about that controls everything because Bluetooth lights are fun. Um, we have yeah, a few but so Hue bulbs. so are X10 and Insteon lights. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. I mean, and the thing is, is that, you know, Hue bulbs are, are, are expensive and they do have some home kit like workings, but like you said, because they're proprietary, like I imagine that it's hard to like build all that stuff in, but no home bridge looks awesome. I'm going to play with this. Like I don't really have an automated home. In fact, I wrote an article this week for Mashable that I really was proud of where I basically talked about how my favorite thing at CES was this $5,000 like super smart fridge with like a touch screen on it and, and cameras on the inside. And I was like, but I would never buy this fridge. And not just because $5,000 is an insane amount to pay for a fridge, but because I'm not, there's no way that I would have any, um, like there's no way that I would feel confident that in two years, five years, let alone 10 years, this thing would still be supported. Right. Because it won't be, you know, like in two years, you can see that like the app that will like let you see the the food on the inside through the cameras won't be updated. You can see that they won't update the web browser, that the API backend stuff, you know, for the calendar and for other things like won't be modified. That you just you're going to be ended up stuck with a dumb fridge. And there was also the story about Nest last week where people like woke up to cold houses because their Nest alarms, that their Nest thermostats rather just stopped working, and like. Nick Bilton was kind of complaining because, like, it was 64 degrees in his house. I'm like, okay, Nick. Um, but, you know, that could be a real problem depending on what part of the country you live in and, and where you are. Like, you wake waking up to a cold house is scary, especially when the steps to kind of resetting stuff and getting things fixed is, like, this convoluted process. Like, unplug, take a USB thing, go into maintenance mode, type in these letters, do this, do that. It's like, okay, you know what? I'm just going to go buy a $25 thermostat and I'll be fixed. So... I mean, part of me, I love this stuff because I do think like home automation is amazing and then part and, and the nerdiness of it is great. And then part of me is like, it's the fact that all these standards are so competing that we have to, you have to be this nerdy to get it to work. It's probably why it is not going mainstream. But that gets better. I mean, I, we see, hope. I'm, I'm willing to accept a lot of faults right now. No, of course, because you, but you can customize it the way you want. I'm just saying right. like a set it, forget it thing. Like you're not the target person for this either. But these are aspirational technologies that, you know, five years later are going to be. I mean, normal. I hope so. I mean, I hope so. It's just saying it's been about five years since we started seeing this stuff and we're yeah. still not, it's still not significantly better. Like Nest is the best one. And, you know, the smoke alarms are still a shit show. And, you know, I'm just saying, like, for me, the bigger thing is, can we trust these things to be updated? Not just. Well, and that's where I feel like these startups have still not recognized the hardware startups have still not recognized that APIs will make or break them. Totally. If you make something that people can extend and develop, you can put less time. You can actually stop updating and the community can continue. Uh, Nest, they have a pretty decent API at this point. Yeah, they do. Uh, Hue does not, you know, most of those Bluetooth controlled lighting devices do not. I saw that smart fridge on, uh, I think it was on the verge. Uh, they did a just quick link to all of the things that were showing up at the show. And, uh, it actually looked like an intriguing idea. 
yeah, no, I think it's great. I just don't trust that Samsung will keep it updated absolutely. to be worth no, it the totally, five grand. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're agree. paying three. To me, it's like okay, you're paying a three thousand dollar premium over an already really expensive fridge. Like, let's say like you'd spend maybe upwards of two grand for like the the nicest type of fridge, like Samsung non smart fridge you could get, right? Yeah. You pay a three thousand dollar premium to have this huge touchscreen, have the Tizen based OS, to have Instacart integration, FreshDirect integration, to be able to add things to your shopping list. It's got like Amazon Alexa kind of built into it. It's got yeah. all this stuff. And then like what happens in a couple of years? Like already Samsung has an issue with their existing smart fridges where Google Calendar doesn't work, and it's their own fault because they started using WebDAV after it were CalDAV rather after it was deprecated. Well, and that's going to happen with Alexa too. When you depend, when your technology depends on other APIs and those APIs change, if you don't update, and you're right, there's a good chance they wouldn't, if you don't update, everything you built broke. Right. But that's the thing. It's like, but for something like a calendar, you wouldn't want to do anything other than have a way to integrate with Google Calendar. But Samsung, because they were lazy, even after it had already been deprecated, they still chose to build on CalDAP, even though, you know, like Google's implementation of that is limited to a few clients and has some other things. And so people bu- are buying these fridges, literally can't log in. They call Samsung. Samsung's like, call Google. Google's like, we don't know. Like, you know. And, <laughs> and, and, see, to me- and if I took a developer relations job, that would be where I worked. I'd be the per- person they call. Yeah. And you could be like we're really sorry about this. This is a bad experience. But we announced the sunsetting. But we announced the sunsetting four years ago or three years ago, and it's not our fault that they couldn't read. I I, I think that's valid. I, I think it's valid too. But, but what like, they should have done, and I don't know the details, but if they had created their own server and service for it and then linked that, they could just update on their end Without oh, having to push firmware updates or anything. Oh, no, totally. There'd be a way to have like a little shim or something that they could do totally. But I mean, again, you kind of have to wonder like what their what the development cycles are on these things and, and who's working on it. And, and it's like, you know, people, it's one thing I feel like for a TV, you know, it's like you can be okay with the fact that your TV might not get the latest Netflix interface or something. And maybe at some point Netflix might shut down their API and like not let you access stuff on like the original Roku. And you're like, okay, well that sucks. But I've got like 500,000 ways to watch Netflix. That this, this, is, this is not the end of the world. But it's another thing when it's like your fridge or it's your lights or it's your alarm system or it's your heating system. You know what I mean? Like you you expect those things to continue to work. You don't expect to have to continue to buy and replace them every couple of years because that's not what you've done. That's not what you're going to do. And then for me, the big thing too is what I get concerned about is like security updates. Because again, it's like if you can't – I don't expect them to to be good on feature updates because they're just not going to be and that's a problem already. But what about security updates? Like you're having this stuff on your network and if Heartbleed had happened when – everybody had smart devices that would have been exponentially worse than what it already was, which was a huge pain in the ass for everyone. Yes. By the way. Yes. The app I was talking about that yes. he hacked to control everything. It's called switch with a pound sign instead of an H. Oh, awesome. So if anyone's looking for that, I'll link it. But um, I don't know if he continued development. It was, he 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 hacks Bluetooth all the time for enterprise applications. So he kind of got on a kick where he bought like every variety you can find of uh, uh, Bluetooth lights. And his office was covered in Bluetooth lights and 
and he built this. And I don't know when the last time it was updated was, but he's a very smart guy. That's awesome. Way smarter than me. I ask him for help all the time. You're pretty smart. Nah, I, I, I don't know. The smartest people in tech aren't, they don't blog. They're not, you know, they're busy being smart. Well, I know, which is sort of a problem. It's like, please blog, please do other stuff because we need to, we need to see this share with the world. We should have like a smart people in tech, like symposium where we, they just, we, we find them and we just get them to talk to us. All the nerds who have been too busy making amazing things that other people get credit for come yes. out and, and talk. Get, get the Brad Fitzpatrick's of the world up there. Well, and the funny thing is he does uh, he does talks for like Mac user groups and stuff. And I, a lot of his business comes from that because he's a really good speaker, does really good presentations. Just uh, it stays within a very small community. Have you had him on Systematic? I, sh- I haven't. I should. You should see you're you're smart you're smarter than me (laughs) a lot of people are smarter than me my wife constantly tells me things like she'll correct me on things that after she says them they're so obvious and somehow i just my brain doesn't i rely on other people and i'm okay with that i have my i have my strengths but common sense is often not one of them again i'm okay with it you're okay with that. I'm looking at, at your website right now, and you've got an updated GIF tag plugin for Jekyll. That's cool. <laughs> Super popular post. No, but uh, but it it is a cool plugin. It it uh it lets you put those two megabyte screen capture GIFs up without making people on mobile download them until they click. That's awesome. Yeah, because I find that very rude when I load up a blog article and my <laughs> data gets used up by a. Two megabyte or bigger. I've seen 16 megabyte animated GIFs. That's not good to force on people. Yeah. Oh, and I'm looking at your web excursions. This loopback thing, cable-free audio routing. Oh. That actually, that looks awesome. It's kind of Rogue Amoeba's version of uh, Soundflower. Yeah. But way more usable than Soundflower. It's it's more along the lines of the new version of Audio Hijack, where you can kind of, more of a drag-and-drop visual interface for yeah, rerouting say, audio. Yeah, it looks just like their UI for um for audio hijack. Yeah. Which I love. It is it's cool. It's $75. I was going to say that's expensive. That is for for the genre it fits into. It is surprisingly expensive and that's the only reason I haven't I it's the only reason I don't own it yet is it's surprisingly pricey. Yeah, no, I'm looking at this. I'm like, shoot, this is actually kind of pricey, but I could see this being really useful, especially for certain podcasting stuff. If you're trying to bring in external music or trying to do like live mixing, mixing with stuff from people on Skype. Or if you want to do something like you would do an audio hijack, but record in, say, like Call Recorder or GarageBand. Right. It lets you reroute things that, because Skype is a pain. Yeah, it is. Well, okay. So Skype is awesome because it uses its own access to system audio and you can have a different input in Skype than you do on your system. It's also annoying for the exact same reason, but I do, I don't know. I, there have been a lot of issues like Skype doesn't recognize the Apogee duet very well, Mm -hmm. which has screwed over a few of my podcast guests at this point. So there, there are annoyances, but it's also pretty cool that, you can set like I can mute my system audio right now without muting you. 
Right. And FaceTime can't. I haven't even figured out FaceTime. I got FaceTime recorder from Ecamm. Yeah, me too. And I can't get it to work. No, me either. Like FaceTime is kind of annoying if you want to actually do something other than call someone on your laptop with your laptop mic and whatnot. Yeah, I, I have the FaceTime recorder and, and I've tried to like record my phone calls that way. And like I even did it one time where like it showed me it was like recording and then it didn't record. And it doesn't do as good a job of separating tracks. No. It does so like, like Piezo does and just hard pans them. But anyway, anyway, we still have we have a, a topic on our list called everything in beta for yes. Apple, which is based on an article I read. But we're actually at like an hour right now. Yeah, we are. So we'll save that one for yet another week because I, I put that on last week. Yeah, you did. And I still really want to talk about this. And it's not going to stop anytime soon. And in fact, it's no. probably just going to get even more so because we're already on 9.3 beta one. Yes. Which I actually really love the uh, the new um, sleep mode. There, uh, There are with everything that Apple has done, especially in 2015, there are so many awesome things, but they weren't technically ready for production you know mm-hmm. like i mean the apple watch i uh os1 was kind of a it was a joke um and they they rapidly changed it but we'll talk about this in more detail because it is it's a valid uh it's a valid point and i'll i'll find the article the original article i can't remember who wrote it was uh after gizmodo wrote something about everything apple did sucked it was a response article to that where he said, no, everything Apple did is in beta and uh, everything except the MacBook, which apparently was their smoothest release of the year. Anyway, anyway. Yeah. Anyway. If, if you enjoy this show and you have listened all the way to here, you should follow Overtired on Twitter at O-V-R-T-R-D and then go leave us reviews on iTunes and say... Yes. Say wonderful things about how bizarre we are. Yes, and, talk uh, about our, our talk about my Kendall obsession. Kendall's in nineties teen soaps. Yes, yes. Wikipedia like knowledge of obscure <laughs> details about nineties actors and everything really. And then uh, and Christina on Twitter is film underscore girl, and I am TT Scoff. I am not funny but i try to be on a daily basis i think you're funny i see uh yeah <laughs> room full of brats look up that systematic where my wife describes why i'm funny on twitter but not in real life anyway <laughs> this has been fun this has been a lot of fun a nice monday afternoon recording i enjoy it all right well enjoy the rest of your day off thank you thank you thank you you too have um have a good um rest of your day um, not off, but you know. I'm going to I'd... physical therapy in 15 minutes here. We'll have fun. I I actually enjoy it. It's it's been good. good for me. So yeah, and then get some sleep. Yes, thank you, Brad. You too. The system is going down low.